millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. Do you know a student getting ready to go to college? Or are you looking at going back to school yourself? The Woodward Hines Education Foundation and the Get to College program help more Mississippians get to and through college to get certificates and degrees that lead to meaningful employment. They offer free college planning advice, including hands-on FAFSA completion assistance through in-person or virtual appointments. Visit gettocollege.org to learn more. This is... Mississippi edition on MPV Think Radio. Good morning. I'm getting my sentence turned around. It's 8.30 on Friday, September 10th, and I'm Desiree Frazier. On today's show, it's been seven weeks since the Department of Health first issued a boil water notice for Jackson's water system. We talked to a community activist about life without dependable water. Then, how some of a $438 million lawsuit settlement could impact teen and family awareness about vaping in the state. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. While elected officials and elected leaders work to find long- and short-term solutions for Jackson's antiquated water infrastructure, the city's residents enter their seventh week under a boil water notice. Last week, the state established mega sites throughout the city to distribute water, but many have been buying bottled water for years due to regular, unreliable water. Vidi Bamzai is a Jackson resident and community activist. She shares her experience with our Kobe Vance. I've been really lucky. Um, I live in Northeast Jackson, so I have actually had water this entire time. Um, I did have a little bit of fluctuation in pressure, but nothing serious to the point where I was concerned. Um, but I have had water the entire time. Um, but, you know, I think when you first asked the question, the first thing I wanted to say was, which one? You know, because we have been dealing with various different iterations of issues with water for so long. And this uh, most recent crisis, um, you know, came after a 30-day oil water notice, which was the second oil water notice of the summer. So, um, you know, I, I'm doing okay, but I'm really frustrated. I'm tired. I'm exhausted. Um, and just having to think so much about water, which I believe is a fundamental human right, is um, it's really tiring. It's really difficult. And um, I just I just want the problem to be solved. I don't want to have to continue um, thinking about how to, um, you know, how to fix the water. I just want clean water. I wanted to ask about, you know, because Jackson has faced this problem for so long at this point, what has it been like to live in Jackson as I've been saying this a few times, but it's sometimes easier to count the days you're not on a boil notice than the ones that you are. Yeah. I mean, that's so accurate. It, um, 
You know, it's funny because I'm actually, I'm originally from outside of Detroit, um, and I was adjacent, somewhat adjacent to Flint when the crisis, the water crisis was happening in Flint. So it's really odd to be living in the center of a crisis that is very similar to what happened in Flint. Um, you know, I was lucky to not have to experience what people were experiencing in Flint, but to live it, to live here in Jackson now and to be in the center of this and to have to experience this so frequently um, is something that I really was not expecting when I moved here. Um, I think in 2019, when we had the winter storm and we lost water for about a month and we were boiling water for a month and it was the middle of winter, um, that kind of like created a trauma response in me where ever since then, pretty much every time I go to Costco, I just buy a case of water to have stockpiled in my shed because I am scared that water is going to be gone and we're going to run out. Um, and that is, it's really, really hard to live life like that. Um, and it's really hard to live life, life like that, having moved here from somewhere else and having made an active decision to live in the city of Jackson. Um, I frankly don't want to live anywhere else. In, um, in the vicinity, I want to live in the city of Jackson, um, but it's, it's really challenging to do that when basic infrastructure issues just don't exist. I wanted to hear your perspective on what is, what is it things like been like in your community? When, it, when you're talking to neighbors, how are y'all getting by? Is, you know, this seems like a perpetual problem that even now – state officials are and state officials and city officials are debating how this can even be addressed in the long term you know it's actually um i have found jackson is a fascinating and beautiful place because i think that the community comes together in a really incredible way and it does so very quickly um i am uniquely situated where i am well connected to folks where i um to folk, to activists, to other activists, to community organizations, community organizers who are rapidly responding to issues in real time. Um, so it was really incredible last week after the governor um, had his press conference on Monday to wake up Tuesday morning and to know exactly where to send people, to tell them where to donate money, where to donate water, um, where to go if they needed money. And there's something really incredible about the way the community really came together, whether it was community organizations, nonprofit organizations that were distributing water, or if it was just neighbors and friends getting in a text message group and being like, hey, who has water pressure today? Who doesn't have water pressure? Do you need to come here and take a shower? Do you need to um, get water into your, um, you know, pour water into buckets? I, I, for example, have a reverse osmosis system letting people know, do you need to come fill up water bottles, buckets, whatever you need to do, come over here and do it. And I think people really came together in a way that um, I find to be particularly unique to the Jackson experience. As a neighbor, it's my responsibility to make sure that, um, you know, I'm supporting organizations by donating money or helping to distribute water and not taking things that I don't need and supporting folks however I can. Um, and I saw that from a lot of people. It was really incredible how the community really came together. And I think, I think the community came together um, in a way as also as a response to just kind of the failures of um, various levels of government over time. 
Um, it was just a response, like, we kind of had to take care of ourselves. Circling back real quick, I wanted to ask about that osmosis system you have in your house. What yeah. has it been like having that? And, you know, you can you describe what you posted on Twitter recently about having that filter go brown? Everybody in Jackson knows we had been under a boil water notice for over 30 days um, when the governor announced, um, you know, kind of the failure of the water system. And about two weeks into that boil water notice, I was really um, – really struggling and I was having a really hard time being really frustrated with this whole system um, buying water um, also I really like having ice in my drinks and so I couldn't use my ice maker so we, I was buying ice and I was like looking at all the money I was literally throwing away but I was like there's got to be a cheaper solution here so I started looking into water delivery and all this stuff and, you know, they weren't very cost efficient, but I thought if that's what I need to do, that's what I need to do. And I remember hearing about this reverse osmosis um, system and a friend's husband installs these systems. So I reached out to him and asked, you know, how do these systems work? And most importantly, can I drink the water that is filtered through uh, that comes through the filtration system? Do I still need to boil it or is that safe to drink? And he said, no, the water that comes out is completely safe to drink. And the cost of it was totally worth it. I mean, it's an investment in my home, um, which in Jackson is like a legitimate investment because we do have these boil water notices quite frequently. And the best part about it was that he was able to uh, link it up to my fridge. So um, I can get the filtered water through my water dispenser in my fridge, and it actually makes filtered ice for me as well. So um, that's been really great. It was He installed it two weeks ago, um, exactly today, and I was really pumped about it. It was already making life so much better for me. And when he installed it, the filter was pure white. I mean, like white as milk, truly. And... Um, you know, he told me, he's like, well, you're going to have to change the filter out once a year. Sure, no problem. And I looked at it the other day, and I was shocked at how brown it was. I mean, it looks like looks like the Pearl River. It is so brown. Um, and it's only been two weeks. I wanted to get your thoughts on and get your what you've been hearing from other people. We've been seeing a lot of... You know, the mayor, the governor in the past couple of weeks as they try to address this crisis. What are y'all's thoughts on the reaction, the, their reaction to this crisis so far? And do you think the state and city and even federal government are working together properly to be able to manage this? You know, I think I think the state had an opportunity to come in and fix the water system a long time ago. The the failures of the water system have been uh, have been clear for a very long time, um, and that's well before Tate's, uh, the governor's time. That's well before the mayor's time. Um, and I'm glad the state has come in now, but I do think that they uh, they didn't have to wait until the last minute, until crisis level. Um, I think the city is in a rock and a hard place. I think, um, you know, we are a city that doesn't have a lot of money. Um, we don't have a lot of resources, and the state um, doesn't do much to support the city either. Uh, so that being said, I am glad to see the city and the state working together. 
And I hope that both levels of government continue to work together and continue to prioritize uh, the people of Jackson who are also Mississippians, um, because at the end of the day, people are suffering and people are struggling. And uh, like I said earlier, water is a basic human right. And nobody in America should have to deal with unsafe and unclean drinking water. And I don't care what party you are or what level level of government you are, you have to make sure that the people of Jackson have access to clean and safe drinking water. Fiddy Bombsai is a resident of Jackson and is a community activist in the city. Fiddy, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you so much. The state's megasites continue to operate, and many other community organizations and nonprofits are holding water distribution events until the boil water advisory is lifted. Pressure at the OB Curtis treatment plant has reached operational levels and investigative testing is underway. Once that's completed, sample testing can begin. Officials say after two consecutive days of clean test results from 120 sites, the boil water notice can be lowered. Coming up, how part of a $438 million lawsuit settlement could impact teen and family awareness about vaping in Mississippi. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. Hey, this is Larry Morrissey with the Mississippi Arts Commission. I'm one of the hosts of the Mississippi Arts Hour, the arts interview show on Think Radio. We talk with visual artists, musicians, writers, as well as people who help bring the arts to their communities. We hear about how each artist learned their craft and get some insight into their creative process. You can hear the Arts Hour every Sunday at 5 p.m. on Think Radio. Or listen anytime by subscribing to the show through your favorite podcasting app. This is Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio. I'm Desiree Frazier. E-cigarette company Juul is paying $438 million in a lawsuit settlement over its marketing practices. It's the result of an investigation involving a coalition of 34 states and territories in the U.S., including Mississippi. It revealed Juul became a dominant player in the vaping market by willfully engaging in an advertising campaign that appealed to youth. Sandra Shelson is with the Partnership for a Healthy Mississippi, an organization that has been educating people on the harmful effects of youth vaping for years. She shares more on the rise and fall of Jewel and how she hopes the settlement will fund their continued efforts in Mississippi. Jewel was the game changer for the e-cigarette industry as far as youth were concerned. Um, they started tracking uh, youth use of e-cigarettes back in um, 2010, and in 2000, uh, by 2021, the prevalence of current e-cigarette use had increased by 1,342%, and that is, uh, the citation on that would be from the Mississippi Youth Tobacco Survey. So, you know, you've got to kind of get your mind around that, over 1,000% increase. So just to give you an example, um, the high school current use of electronic cigarettes in um, 2013 was 2.9%. It jumped to 10.1%, and then it continued to kind of uh, steady 
And then um, by 2018, it had jumped to 21.6%. So that is quite a, a jump. Right. That is, it's a game changer. And Juul, because it looked like a... Um, you know, um, uh, electronic device, you know, it's cool looking. It had the fun flavors. You had uh, social media marketers that were um, young and hip. It was being marketed on social media. And so it was that game changer. It, it, it is what has allowed these other products to, um, to thrive. How do you feel about this settlement? Is it enough to you? Four hundred and thirty-eight point five million, oh, between thirty-four states. Um, you know, I don't know, and I did look, and I have not been able to find exactly how much Mississippi will be um, receiving from this settlement. But uh, you know, is it ever going to be enough? It depends on what is going to be utilized. You know, what how these funds will be utilized in the prevention uh, arena. Um, as I said, it's very unfortunate that because of Jewel, and, you know, Jewel has had to totally revamp their business model. You know, even they started making inroads into that um, prior to the settlement. But, um, and the FDA, you know, they, they came down strong on Jewel particularly. However, the, there's always that little loophole that people can find. And, you know, you've got a whole new generation of these in, these single-use uh, devices now. There's always going to be that next product and that next product. So hopefully some of these funds will go to help uh, states and um, prevention organizations be able to combat not only that, you know, not only what the, the repercussions of the, the jewel but also these new products that are coming on that were a direct result of Juul. Well, the attorney general who led the suit says that states are in the midst of putting together settlement documents, which will take another three or four weeks. And then Juul has between six and ten years to um, meet their obligation to pay this money. What are the implications for young people who are using uh, e-cigarettes? The health implications for youth are tremendous because, you know, as I mentioned before, if you are someone who, let's say back in the day, you wanted to smoke a cigarette at school, you would have to, you know, go somewhere where you could smoke the cigarette and then you would have to put it out, you know. Spray something in your mouth or take in some mouthwash. Exactly. And so in order to smoke an entire pick, uh, pack of cigarettes, you would have to repeat that process 20 times, for you know, one for each cigarette. These Juul devices introduce the concept of being able to sit in the classroom and vape. There, I mean, a whole line of vapeware came out so that people could sit there and nobody would know because it didn't have the telltale aroma of, of a cigarette. And it didn't give off any so, It doesn't give off smoke. Right, right. Um, so what was happening are these kids are getting addicted to nicotine at a much faster level and at a higher level. So 
you know, you've got these kids that are, um, you know, more anxious. The developing brain is being impacted by this high level of uh, nicotine. So the health risks are, are, are tremendous. And because you are dealing with an addiction at that level, because of how much nicotine they are um, uh, consuming, you know, I've had friends who, because of what I do, contact me and say, you know, I did not know that my son was vaping, but he came to me and he said he really wants to quit, but he doesn't know how because he feels so bad in, you know, when he tries to stop. So, you know, there are, we, we, we are making headway um, at a national level. The Truth Campaign has a, um, a quit program. Um, you know, there, you've got more and more of these addiction specialists who are looking at this. And uh, I know that that seems almost shocking to say that your your youth is addicted. You know, we, we usually have um, this horrible idea of, uh, you know, what a youth addicted to a drug looks like. But that's part of what we need to do with some of these dollars is to educate the, the parents, educate the school, educate anybody that's working with youth about how serious uh, a nicotine addiction can be and the anxiety that it can produce. Part of the agreement, um, so, the settlement with Jewel, I noticed, um, it says they have to refrain from youth marketing, funding education programs. So they were funding education programs, um, yeah. using cartoons, having advertisements on public transportation, and paying influencers and and free samples. Those are some of the things that they have to refrain from. So all of this was happening right here in Mississippi. Absolutely, without a doubt. I mean, if you go back and look at some of the youth tobacco surveys from just a few years ago, you know, originally you would ask the question about e-cigarettes and you might get a no answer, but if you, you rephra- uh, rephrase the question to say, uh, have you ever used a Juul, the, the numbers would uh, go up because Juul became its own verb, you know. You, kind of like Kleenex. Not you were not, yeah, it became, you know, you were Juuling. And so, as I said, this is all a wonderful step in the right direction. However, the, there are so many other products now that, that are still being utilized. So what you're finding is these companies are going to come up with other ways to get the product to market and to youth. Well, you know, it's a play, it's a, uh, it's a play out of their long-term playbook. I mean, you just mentioned not using cartoons um, as a way to attract youth, uh, prospective youth users. Well, I don't know if you remember, but back in the day, we had good old Joe Camel, and, uh, and that was to help entice young people to use cigarettes. Uh, there were flavored cigarettes. I mean, all of this sounds familiar, doesn't it? So, yeah, you know, we know what, what they're going to do from that standpoint, and that's another reason that this Jewel settlement is wonderful. However, we, it needs to be um, a, a, a broader sweep for all of these types of, pro, types of pro, 
products. And I know that the FDA is looking at them, um, but, you know, it's kind of like that old game of whack-a-mole. You know, as soon as you hit down one, another one pops up. So, um, as I said, one of the wonderful uses for some of these funds at the state level would be um, to help uh, organizations that are doing this type of prevention work to have the resources to stay on top of all the new um, products that may come out so that we can continue to protect our youth. Sandra Shelson is Executive Director of the Partnership for a Healthy Mississippi. This has been Mississippi Edition on MPB Think Radio.